Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. Each week, we will upload the sermon that was preached during our Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged and reminded of the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of his word. All right, turn your Bibles to Proverbs. We're going to jump around a lot today. That's kind of the nature where we are in Proverbs. Um, so we got an outdoor service going on at 10 o'clock at Sawyer. And let me tell you, they get no projection. <laughs> so it's, um, there's going to be a lot said today. And uh, we do have a space in that worship guide to take notes that would presume you have something to write with, which I think we do now have available. Um, so it's not that we didn't know how to fill the space. But if you want to take some notes, do it that way. Uh, don't get lost in like, gosh, I missed something. If you miss something, just email the office and they'll send you my manuscript, which isn't exactly what I say, but it's close enough. You can find stuff. There's a lot of scriptures in this, okay? So just to remind us of what goes on in Proverbs. Um, you know, I, a, after we got through, through the first nine chapters, then you've got these collection of these wise Proverbs, these wise sayings. And here's the wrong way to hear this. This is not moralism where it's saying, hey, do good, be good, and you will be good. You know how that approach goes? People think God's like that. If I just do good, be good, I will be good in the end. That's not it, because we have no righteousness in ourselves. We just don't. Uh, that might be a strange fact to you. I think this one, uh, this service is live streaming or recorded also, but that's just what Scripture says. Um, we need the Savior, and I think that's why we're gathered here. We all know that. Come from different places, man. We need Jesus, and we need him bad. But here is how we ought to hear this, is these two ways are put out. One is the wise path, let's call it Jesus' path, the wise path, the foolish path. Um, Jesus in his parables would say, hey, a couple ways here. This one's broad. This one's narrow. That's, it's another way to look at it. And this narrow path, the Jesus' path, it is wise. It's also counterintuitive. It's also countercultural. And I think as we go through some of the scripture, you'll see that. Um, I sat in on the early class. Mike, there's a class here at 10 o'clock. I would commend it to you. Um, before, on each campus, before the gathered worship service, one of the pastors will lead a discussion through the preached passages. And I want to suggest to you, it's just really good, and there's a learning in community. People are making observations about that and so forth. One of the observations I heard um, down at Sawyer's one was really insightful. The Proverbs, they will give us, here's a wisdom principle. What you won't find are commands. But what you will find, and I'm going to do this today in the sermon, often you'll see this wisdom principle laid out here. The New Testament picks it up and speaks of it in an imperative and a command. So this, this is foundational. I'll also say this, that throughout all Scripture, if we're, not, if we're missing the gospel, we're missing the point of what goes on. And so we're going to try to think through Proverbs in, in those kind of ways. So this wise path, it, it's, it's a Godward path, but it's not because of our good deeds. It's because we need Jesus and we're going to follow his way. So today's subject is friendship. Uh, let me say a couple things by, before we pray and then look at various Proverbs. Um, relationships matter to God. They, they matter greatly to God. God actually made us for a friendship with him. So I don't know how you think about life. Let me draw this out this way. 
if you think of, go left this way, you're over the, um, the beginning of the book and the end of the book of the Bible, you think of Genesis over here, before sin enters the world, and here's Adam and Eve, and what it speaks of God and Adam is that God walked with Adam. Walked with him in the garden. Can you, can you think of God like that? Don't tell me all religions are the same. <laughs> that, that's how God made us. Sin enters the world, chapter 3. We need the Savior. There's the illusion of the Savior to come, the seed of the woman, Genesis 3.15. But th- that, that's where the wall came in, and uh, that's, that's why the cross, that's why Jesus died. So we have that access to him, which we have now. But it's, it's still somewhat distant in one sense. And in the end, the very end, the last chapter of the Bible in Revelation, it has this, when all things are restored, and all those who are redeemed, all those who submitted their lives to Jesus who belong to him by faith and repentance, all those belong to him, and we will what? See his face. See his face. We say many times, we were made by God for God. You should remember that phrase. It's helpful in evangelism. It's helpful to think about how we're, what's going on in our life. He made us this way, the walk with him. It's going to be in the end. For all those who have come to that point and submitted to him, it, it will be. Do relationships matter to God? Absolutely. Or how about this? Have you ever thought about it this way? Go back to the time of Jesus walking the earth. You know, you read, um, you read the Gospels. You ever wonder, were the disciples friends? All right, sometimes they don't, they don't seem like friends, do they? What goes on? I mean, these guys, what do they have in common? Tax collector. None of the Jews liked him. A zealot. He wants us to overthrow the Roman Empire by killing people. He's an anarchist, really. Four fishermen. What do they got in common? Jesus. That's what they got in common. But I don't know if you think about them as friends, but I'll tell you, God brought them together as brothers. I, I remember Mark chapter 10. Uh, this is like the last week of his life or, or the second to last week of his life. Jesus is coming in Jerusalem. And James and John, the two brothers, sons of Zebedee, they come up to Jesus and they say, hey, they get this private conversation with him and say, Jesus, hey, when you come into your kingdom, can, can I sit on, your, on the left side of you and my brothers sit on the right throne? Can, can, we, can we do that? And the other disciples hear about it. Remember what it says? They were indignant, probably only because James and John got to Jesus first. I mean, they wanted the same kind of thing, probably. You ever been indignant with a friend, a mad at a friend? Did it cancel the relationship? Or not? I, one of the things I appreciate about the Bible is it doesn't edit the stories. It doesn't clean them all up. It's not fairy taleish. It's very real in the relational functions and struggles and things that go on and how the gospel affects that. So these guys that we see all in their rawness and man, considered also as the gospel writers, I mean, Peter probably influenced Mark in many ways in terms of the gospel writing. Peter in the, in the gospel writing, he's not a, a character to be flattered by in terms of his rebuking Jesus and denying Jesus. You know, wouldn't you want to clean up the story about yourself? I, I want to suggest to you that that testifies to the authenticity of the Bible. It just, it just tells it and our need for the Savior and the fact these guys do. These, these 11 after Judas, they all die except for john for the spreading of the gospel they were united they some of the things when you read the book of acts they worked through together very very difficult things in the church and 
ethnic squabbles. And, I mean, really complicated things that they work through together. They came through that together. And there's a dimension of friendship, of brotherhood that goes through. How and why? It's because they are led by the Holy Spirit. And I want to assure you as we walk on these Proverbs, that Holy Spirit is present here. Just as we got struggles, just as the church does, God has not left us. And the Holy Spirit has been given to the church, to us. We need him. We need his word. Amen? Okay, and that's why we're here, around his word. All right, one last thing. I think there's a quality of spiritual friendship that goes beyond us. Beyond us. A quality of spiritual friendship that is built on something or someone greater than ourselves. Jesus in John 15 says a number of things about friendship. I'm going to read just verse 15 where he says this. It's very interesting. I don't know how you think about your relationship with Jesus, but he says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from the Father, I've made known to you. What's he contrasting? There's one sense that we're servants of God. Yeah, absolutely. A servant just does what the master says. I don't need to understand, I just need to go and do it. Jesus, I don't call you that. I call you, I call you friends. Because I've made known to you what the Father's doing. I, that's, a, that's an astounding thing that Jesus would use that terminology of us as people. And I'm going to show you why I think that's important, understanding this friendship with God. And that, yeah, you can put that up now. I, I kind of went beyond that. Here's kind of my big idea or theme that this will be. Uh, the other one before that one. Yep, thank you. Uh, that growing a real relationship with God that frees you for real relationship with others. Okay, This all comes from a real relationship with God and that will free you in your relationship with others. Another way to say that, another dimension of that is this. When I say relationship with God, it's really understanding the gospel. The greater we truly experience, not just understand it here, but we experience it, all our, our, all our relationships will be richer. That's a general statement, but as we go through Proverbs, I think it unpacks those kinds of things. It gives us some dimensions of things that we do in relationship that you would not do if it were not for Jesus dying for our sins, if it were not for the gospel and who we actually are. So that's kind of thematic for us. Let's uh, I'll say that would affect all our relationships, our marriages, co-workers, neighbors, the whole deal. So let's pray as we consider God's word. Lord, in these moments right now, we ask help. There's so many things that go on our minds in a given half hour. God, I pray this. I'm, I'm going to be the hu human voice speaking your word. God, I pray that what would be heard is you, Lord. You, by your Holy Spirit, that speaks to our hearts, that, that helps us understand your word, but, Lord, that, that brings it home to us. We got all kinds of blind spots, all kinds of barriers. I, Lord, I, we ask that together, that you would do that freely in our lives. And I want to thank you for that, Father, for that's what you love to do. So thank you for this time. It's your time. Speak freely, and Lord, may we respond to you as would be well and as would glorify Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, so I'm going to call this one the, uh, the key verse, our true friend, Proverbs 18, 24, which uh, says this. 
A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, oftentimes, a proverb will be written as a contrast. Um, that's, it's used as a teaching tool. Sometimes, it's, uh, they're, they're kind of parallels. This one's a clear contrast. A man of many friends, many companions, he might come to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So I think that phrase, there's a friend that sticks closer to a brother, is, is double dimension. I think there's an aspect of it's true friends, but I think there's an allusion to Jesus, which I'll talk about in just a moment in that. But let's just go through it this way. Is it, is it better to have many friends? That's, that's no guarantee of success, right? If you think of our, our, our Facebook culture and gathering likes, you know, how many friends do we have? We, 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 we all know that's not real friendship, right? We, we all know, I don't know what that is, but it's, that's, that's not real friendship. But I, but I think that actually touches on that part of a man of many companions. One, because I think what's behind this is not the number of friends, but why would a person want so many friends? I, I think that's the deeper thing. What, what is that? What's behind that? And then the contrast, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So it is the value of that friend who sticks closer, but I think there's very much dimensions of this allusion to Jesus. I, I, w- I would say that from the language in John 15 where he speaks of what a friend is and, and us being your friends. I think this is alluding to our one true friend. So often the prophet uses a metaphor or a word picture here, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What's that? These word pictures are meant to be this image to get to something deeper. Uh, I think Justin Bainey, oh, you're back here. Are you leaving later today for vacay? Okay. So I'm going to say this back and forth. You guys say it loud. So the Bainey brothers were a bit notorious in our local community. You better answer the same way as your brother Mike did as, as, uh, at the Sawyer campus. So did the Bainey brothers ever fight together? <laughs> did you hear him laugh? <laughs> yeah, Pete might know this too. He's already, um, the Beatty brothers were well-known in our local community, and uh, they could fight one another. By God's grace, he's redeemed some of them, a number of them, by God's grace. I, I That's one of the things I love about local church. You just watch God do stuff that you can't believe did. And I see testimonies of his grace all over the place. How did God save this person? How, look at what's happened. You would never know when you see this person that came from this. That is God. So in a local church, we see that all the time. Um, so here's what I remember. This is, I, I'll, I'll stop telling stories about you guys. <laughs> but you see the family where they're like, they're at odds, especially brother. They're, they're fighting. These, these, these two or three brothers are fighting. But man, you get an enemy from the outside that goes against one of them. It's a pack of wolves. Getting them. They, they, they are together. They stick close as brothers. They are going to get that other one. This very one they were been fighting against all their life. You ever seen that? And someone goes against them, they are together. There is a fierce loyalty. That's the metaphor. Friend, a, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus has a fierce loyalty for his brothers and sisters. A fierce loyalty. Closer than a brother. He's for you. New Testament. What's he called? First John chapter, he's called our advocate. The one who, who stands here. And when the evil one is accusing you for your sins, do you, do you 
know, Jesus, how that person's hurt your reputation? How they just treated their spouse? Spouse, how, how selfish they are? How they, do you know, Jesus, what a lousy Christian there are? He's like, they're mine. That's my child. I died for that one. Shut up. Oh, I'm sorry, we got kids. Can't say this, Mickey. Okay. But I'm going to tell you where this is in Scripture where I think Jesus actually says, shut up to the accuser. You go to Colossians 2, where it speaks of how our debt is impaled at the cross. So the accuser has no voice. That's Jesus, our advocate, just saying to him, shut up, that one's mine. You, you, you got no standing here. There's no charges that stick. I paid for all that. That's what was on the cross. That list of things there, impaled on the cross, that will list of things, I took those. I want you to know that there is a fierce loyalty of Jesus for his children. And I think that's the sense of this Proverbs. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now let me ask you this. If you actually believed that down to your toes, through your eyeballs, and knew how much Jesus was for you, how would that change or affect your relating to other people? That you knew that nothing could change that. Nothing at all. It doesn't matter what other people do. It doesn't matter what they say. They, doesn't, they don't matter whether it's true or false. If you were assured of God's love for you and Jesus, I mean really all the way through you, how would that affect your relationship? That's everything, isn't it? That's everything. And I think that's the sense of this verse. Jesus has a fierce loyalty for his brothers and sisters. The accuser has no voice. That's, that's Colossians 2 and 1 John 2. All right, so now let's think about true Christian companionship. I, I speak of that one as being foundational for everything that comes from that. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6 gives us a very provoking question. It says, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. A faithful man who can find. I don't know if you remember this from Proverbs 31. It's, a, it's, it's that last chapter in Proverbs. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Around verse 10, it says, An excellent wife who can find. What it's describing, that question, similarly in Proverbs, it's meant to be self-reflective. It's, it's meant, I think, for us to, to wonder about, am I, am I this kind of a person? Am I a faithful friend who would say that of me? If I'm married, would my spouse say that of me? It takes, it takes some grit to be a faithful friend. Is that important? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's why it's absolutely important. So do I, have, do I have that? Again, let me say it, that growing a real relationship with God frees you for a real relationship with others. Opportunities to demonstrate the truths of the gospel, which we're going to get to in just a bit here. Why is that so hard now? To be a faithful friend. Living in isolation. or that, Why is that so hard? Maybe we'll come back to that. Or maybe, we'll, maybe that's good to talk about around your tables later on or with others. Because the last half of this I want to do, it's, it's what I'd call the mark of a true friend. I've, what I've done is clumped, gathered some of these proverbs in, uh, in five categories. And I want to suggest to you that these will be countercultural. They will, be, they will have us move in a different way as the gospel does in all of our life. So I'm going to give them to you and then go back and unpack them. And I, I don't have, I didn't give all these to you, Thad. So you don't have to put them up. 
Uh, dealing with offenses is the first one. Actually, I, I realized I didn't even highlight that one for you. Um, truthful speaking. Uh, mending a broken friendship. Leaving room for God to work. And confession. So you can, you can get them. Just email the office if I go too fast. So dealing with offenses. What I want to look at here is from Proverbs 17 and three verses from that chapter. Here's chapter 17, 9. Wow, I didn't even highlight that one for you. Sorry about that. Uh, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Let me repeat that. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So you see the contrast. One person is covering it, another person's repeating it. Or another person's hiding it, another person, by their repeating it, it multiplies. And here's the phrase I want to kind of explore a little bit. What does it mean to cover an offense? Uh, the descriptive word I want to use is from the New Testament, and it's the phrase, bearing with one another. So the Conways aren't here this morning. Uh, next week, uh, they were attended a wedding yesterday. Uh, next week, Liz, Liz gets married, and this is actually, uh, this passage, Colossians 3, is, is going to be a theme in their, their wedding. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 13. Here's this phrase, bearing with one another. I think it unpacks the meaning of this Proverbs. It says, put on then, do we have this one? I think we do. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Let me pause. Put on then, that's the command, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What's that? He's reminding us of our identity before he gives the command. That you are beloved. You are, you're much loved of God. You are chosen. He has actually adopted you as his children and declared you holy. You're not holy in and of yourselves, but Jesus' righteousness by your repentance has been passed to you. That's how he sees you. There's no condemnation. He's reminding us of our identity before he says this. I want you to clothe yourself a certain way. I want you to put this on. This is an active command based on our identity. And what we are to put on are compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. I'm sorry, does our world need more of that? Everywhere. Bearing with one another. Now I'm going to come back to that one. And, I love this, if one has a complaint against another, as if that's a hypothetical statement. <laughs> that's a reality. But the if makes it sound like it's hypothetical. Oh, just in case someone's got a complaint against somebody, then forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. There's a strong imperative. So there's two sermons in those two verses. All I want to talk about is bearing with one another. All right, clue. I'm probably going to say this next week at the wedding. Biggest word in there is not underlined. You know what the biggest word in there is? The smallest word. What's the most important word in there? Some of you know this. It's the word as. As Christ. That'll focus everything you do if you think about that. Okay, never mind. That's another sermon. Stay in the point. <clears throat> Bearing with one another. So there's a different kind of forgiving. It's to bear with someone. A, a forgiving that does not need to bring up every matter. It simply covers it over. That's what Proverbs is saying. So let me ask you, does every time you are offended or hurt, 
need to be addressed? Or how does this, this person simply cover it over? The proverb says, they, the one who does seeks love. How so? See, love lives with the grace. How so? A person who experiences God's grace can be gracious. That's what the word as connects us to. A person who has experienced God's grace can be gracious. It's an intentionally focus upon God's grace. That is the sense of that parable at the end of Matthew 18 where the guy's been forgiven this massive debt and he goes to, he sees his neighbor who owes him a little debt and he's choking him. And Jesus says, if you don't forgive your brother from your heart, you'll be, you know, he talks about the punishment there. It's because the guy has forgotten this massive debt. That's the sense of this. We've been forgiven massively by Jesus. And that's what we, how does one bear with someone else? It's that. If we lose sight of how much we've been forgiven, if we look at the other person, will they deserve forgiveness or will they deserve me to bear with them? That only happens because I'm focused on me, not on Jesus. Seriously, one of, one of the simplest and hardest things in life, it'll change almost everything we do, if we, we can see Jesus in the situation. Just see it. Look for God in everything. Look for him. He's right there. Okay. Not in my notes. Silly story. But it's so mundane, I want to tell you. So we're, um, we're camping in, in Glacier last week. Uh, four of us were together. Two were joining. The first day we went out, and it was, it was sunny. It was awesome. And there were more people than I'd like to see in my lifetime on the trails. So it's like this weird thing. We're out in this glorious, pristine, wild nature, and there's too many people. And you can hear, you can't, you have to go to the far side of the lake to get to a quiet place, you know, okay. Then it rained for three days. You ever been, anybody been camping in the rain for three days? Do you like that? It was glorious. We had a tent, we brought our gears, we're good. I, I told everybody, be layered up. It got in the 30s. Be layered up, have your, have your gear. So, you know, I tell everybody bring their gear, and I knew they, so I brought extra. But we all, some had, like, wet pants. So you know what happened? We went and hiked. And you know what happened with the rain? 90% of the people were gone. It was glorious. <laughs> I'm thanking God for rain. So we get out to this pond. We're out in the height in John's Lake. And you look around. And I'm serious. There's nobody. Listen. Let's listen to the raindrops. It's like that old, I'm old. Remember Bambi? It's like this, like, you hear the raindrops. I think that's the, that's the childhood. I mean, you could hear the rain hitting the pond. And we just sat there in the quiet and soaked in God. Okay, really silly story. But we thanked God for rain. If we, if we look for God in everything, it'll, in anything in life, it'll change if we're looking for him because he's there. So in, in relational things, I, when I'm looking at my brother or sister, this person who they've hurt me, and not here, I've missed everything. This is Colossians 3. That's what it's talking about is, You've got to remember how much you've been forgiven. It will change everything about your relationships, all of them. So it fits here in this covering over. I don't need to bring up every single matter. Why would I get so bothered about being wronged? The gospel should affect this, really. So friends, let me say it again. Growing a real relationship with God frees you for a real relationship with others. The greater we truly understand, truly experience the gospel the richer will be all our relationships. Now let me say this, not also in my notes. That conflict is an opportunity to practice the gospel. 
It's actually an opportunity. God has given that to you. So you can see whether you believe that. How do you know whether you believe it? It's got to be tested. That's how you experience it. And here's the deal. You can't do it. Ha! Jesus does it in you. God puts us in situations. How many times, how many of us have ever been put in a situation you know you couldn't do and God got you through it? Raise your hand. Okay? That's who he is. That's exactly who it is. Why do I forget the next time it comes up though? So here it is. So when I want, got to see, this is God's opportunity. He is in every single thing. I mean that with all my heart. The scripture says it. I can't explain all the stuff that happened. Some of us here, you've had things that you can't even speak of that have happened to you. I can't, but all I know is we have a good father and he actively works. I, I can't explain everything he does. I can't. But I know he does. I know he's done it in my life. I know that's who he is. All right. Go faster. What do you do? Proverbs 17, 14. Oh, the beginning of strife is like letting out of water. So quit before the quarrel breaks. Do we have that one? It, it's an interesting one. Basically what he's saying here, there's the word picture. The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. So quit before the, the quarrel breaks. He's just talking about how bad strife and quarrels are. And, and just stop it. It's almost before it breaks. So what, what does it mean, the letting out of water? Anybody know what this is? What is it? It, it? it is. It's something, a certain kind of, what's that? A camelback. Yes, it's a camelback. A camelback um, is, a, is a great design. It stores water in here and so that the, the person who has it can just be hiking along and, and drinking all the way. I didn't have one of these. My kids, a couple of my kids had this. One of our hikes was really long. It was a hot day. We're supposed to take two liters of water. I didn't have that much. I kept trying, so I got dehydrated. Um, camelbacks can be really useful unless they're leaking. That one leaks. So it's, all, it's not only not useful, it's, it's letting the water out. It's not just not useful. It's dangerous. Because if you think you got water and it's been leaking, it's got no water and you need water and you're dehydrated, it's dangerous. That's what he's saying. I'm just using it as a word picture. He's going like, man, the beginning of strife is like that. The thing you very need, it, it's dangerous for you. Just know that it's dangerous. Don't go there. That's where he says quit before it breaks out. You're walking into danger. It's just a word picture. All right. 1717, these are all from chapter 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. I'll be quick on this one. All the time, I'll focus on that. Just as Jesus knows every dimension of us and loves us, a true friend is not threatened by our shortcomings, our failures, even our sins, loves at all times. Only Jesus does it perfectly. But we're actually brother to brother called to this. A brother is born for adversity. That's that same sense as a brother sticks together. I mean, when adversity comes to you, that person will be loyal there with you. They will be. And I think in Christianity, true brothers and sisters, this is what we should be. Okay. Now, the other side of the coin. Here's the second thing. Truthful speaking. So this is different than the covering over an offense. Look at this in Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. How many have heard this, faithful are the wounds of a friend? How many have heard this repeated someplace? I don't think many people have that in their kitchens. But we, we hear it different times. 
This is kind of the opposite side of the coin. This is about when do I need to address a matter with someone rather than keeping it hidden? And what this particular... Oh, let me give you a caution. Don't ever trust someone taking one proverb and bending it to be the ultimate thing in life. The proverbs say this, this principle of wisdom... Oh, there's, there's one where there's two back-to-back that are absolutely contrary. I think it's actually about rebuking an enemy and not rebuking. I should have brought it up. But they're talking about this principle. You measure them all together. So on one hand, you can bear with one another. But on this one, he's saying you've you got to bring some, some things up. And actually, to avoid something important is to not love them. It's to care more about yourself. Now, I'd say that, too, is countercultural. I don't have a right to speak there. I don't have it. So, but if you truly love some, we all got blind spots, right? Some of the best things that, that I've ever needed to hear, I, they were uncomfortable, they hurt, and they were right, said to me by a brother, sister, or my wife. Important. So, now let me give you the other side of the caution. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Let me just say this, if you're not a friend, I don't think it's a faithful wound. You know? I mean, there is a person who loves to point out Others' failures. I just say they're not a true friend. I think the person reads to genuinely know that you care for them. Then the wound is kind and it will do what God wants. We now live in a culture where some people are so afraid to speak about anything because every word gets criticized and that is not what this is about. It's not promoting that. Not at all. This is about what I call gentle correction. Gentle correction is the biblical way. That is a mark of a godly friend. So I'm going I'm to draw out three scriptures from the New Testament for you. Uh, sometimes we use this phrase, be clear and kind. Be clear and kind. 2 Timothy 2.24 says it this way, As the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with what? Gentleness gentleness galatians 6 1 1 through 3 is really good to read but i'm just going to read one brothers if anyone is caught in any trans oh i should have backed up second timothy 2 24 says correcting his opponents with gentleness the next verse then, then says and here's what god may do so it's leaving god to do something but you're correcting with gentleness uh, galatians 6 1 through 3 brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. There's this, this guard on ourselves. But the restoration is with gentleness. Hebrews 5, 2. This is a very interesting one. Just, I found this one in a devotional uh, recently. Actually, we talked about this in our elder meeting yesterday. When we met at Converge. This section of Hebrews is talking about Jesus being our high priest and talks about the role of a high priest um, that they act on behalf of men in relation to God. And so is it says that we just talked about it as pastors and elders, what that's like. But here's the phrase, Hebrews 5.2. He, he can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Friends, all your pastors, all your elders were human beings and brothers like you. Now there's a way that we will give uh, special accountability to God for how we live. That's pretty clear in Scripture. There's a way the church is to submit to leadership, to pray for leadership, to make their their job a joy, not a burden, Hebrews says. But we're just brothers. And we won't get everything right. 
And the only way there's a chance for any of us is that the Holy Spirit's actually here. And when you read the Gospels and Acts, it's the same thing. Jesus loves his church. He is accomplishing his purposes. Always, always will, whether I see it at the time or not. You can go to sleep on that. You can get up. So pray for us. Thank you. Oh, Proverbs 27, 17 in the same chapter. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. So this one isn't so much about correction that needs to happen gently. This one is the benefit of another perspective. I won't say a lot about this. A lot can be said, but I'd say this. We can benefit from others' perspectives if we listen well. I would say to you, it is one of the advantages we have of having an eldership with 13 brothers that are praying and working through stuff. It's the benefit of the church, right? Of having one another, one another that might care for or speak to something in our lives. And one of the things that I've been praying about in the last year that's a great concern is how many people in our society are, are disengaging from a local church for whatever reason and then, then are really, so they're out of the benefit of other perspectives that might help or speak their life. We all have blind spots. Let me, let me ask you, who's behind that? People becoming disengaged from the church. There's something going on more than all these dimensions. We have an enemy who's invisible. That's what he wants. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. That's the, the benefit of the body of Christ. All right, number three, mending a broken friendship. <clears throat> I'll be quick on this one. Uh, 18.19 says, A brother offended is more yield, unyielding than a strong city and quarreling like the bars of a castle. Ouch. He's saying, that's a wall. A brother offended. Relationships matter to God. They should matter to us. They should matter more than money. They should matter more than our own comfort. So this is going to get towards us somewhere. Romans 12 says it this way, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So I just simply ask you this. So is there someone, maybe, as we've just been going through this and thinking of relationships, there's, there's been that wall and you just wonder if there's another way it's time for you to approach him or ask God about that. Number four, provides another antithesis to this it's leaving room for god to work proverbs 20 22 says do not say i will repay evil wait for the lord and he will deliver you so in one sense this is about you don't need to get even but there's something bigger than that it's trusting god to work you never lose when you're truly waiting on the lord What's that mean to wait on the Lord? Well, some of us, we, we, we want to fix things, right? Got, I, I'm, I'm that. I, I tend to be that way. It's hard to wait on the Lord. It takes time. It takes trust. Sometimes our actions get in the way, even well-intended action. We try to control. We try to justify. We try to explain. But to wait on the Lord is this. It's to actually seek the Lord about the matter. Do you know, do you know how you can pray and your prayers are actually like telling God what you'd like to have the outcome be? Hey, God, would you do this? Waiting on the Lord is a different kind of praying. Hey, Lord, you know the difficulty I have here? I don't know what to do. Can you show me what to do? And don't do the first thing that comes to your mind. You're waiting on it. Now, sometimes God does give you something right away. 
but you've got to sense what, what's from him. There, there's a weight in the Lord, which is an absolute trust that God's at work. I'm going to tell you this because it's worth it. <clears throat> Easter Sunday, I'll never forget this. So I'll, I'll be super quick. Easter Sunday, highlight of my day was my wife, after preaching both services, we go for, it was a warm day, went for a walk in Warren Dunes. I was exhausted. I didn't want to go for a walk. She gets me out for a walk, walking through Warren Dunes, ran into somebody I haven't seen in 10 years. I would have walked right by him, got sunglasses and a hat. Actually, I'd walked by his wife and daughter. Didn't, I mean, seen, hadn't seen him in 10 years. We have this, start to have this conversation on the beach, about fi- just like everything's normal. And then he says this to me. They don't, they don't live here. They moved away. He used to be part of our church. Hey, Jeff, I've got to ask you to forgive me. And he went through, I remember the whole story, I remember what happened, never thought it happened. And just went boom, boom, boom. Why do I tell you that? Leave room for God to work. Well, sometimes he, God's always at work. Sometimes he's doing stuff. Sometimes it may look like it's backwards and we don't know. But that's one sense of this. We've got to ask God about it. Sometimes he might move you. Sometimes it's wait and don't. The asking continues. The seeking and waiting continues. It's not a one-time ask, but it's, it's something that happens in our heart, and I think as we pray, God changes our heart. Last one is this, confession. Be willing to admit that you are wrong. 28.13 says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses them will obtain mercy. Confession is an openness, a willingness to admit that you are wrong. Some people have a really hard time with that. Most of us, our marriages would be a lot better if we would do better at that. And the gospel should free us for that. The gospel is this aspect, all my sins are covered. All of them are paid for. Jesus knows me better than I do myself. And he loves me. That's incredible to grasp. But that should free me to be able to confess when I've sinned, screwed up. Hurt the person I love. Why is it that? The gospel should free that. There's an admi- a willingness to admit when you're wrong. So here's a test question for you. Do you usually see how others are wrong? Or do you equally see your own faults? Do you have a hard time admitting that you were wrong? See, confession takes humility. And all of this is provided for us as we grow in understanding and practicing the gospel in our relationships. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as I close. Don't, t- don't tune your ears out while they walk up. I'm going back to where we started, the foundation. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, our true friend, who sees everything about us, knows all of our hidden faults, our blind spots, our sins. He knows them, he loves us, and hear me, our shortcomings actually draws out his love for us. He actually loves us more in our weakness. That's the sense of Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. It, it doesn't make sense in human relationships. That's Jesus for us. Reconciling is Christ's work. Reconciling demonstrates Christ's work. So I want to go back to this, you know, in terms of this big idea. As you grow in your relationship with God, it'll affect relationships with others. If, as you grow in understanding and practicing the gospel, it will have huge dimensions. So I want to ask you this. How do you grow in experiencing the, the gospel? How might that happen? 
And then I'm going to close with these other questions. But I'm going to just let it be silent, let people pray and reflect, and then let you play instrumentally and then just transition. But here's, here also. How am I in my relationships and marriage? Let's pray, okay? And you ask the Lord this. Lord, how would you have me hear your word this morning? What do you want to say to me about my friendships? How does your word apply to my marriage? Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. And until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.